Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Are you looking for relief, relaxation, or to party on the motherfucking moon? Then check out 3Chi's new True Strains lineup of cannabis vapes and gummies tailored for specific effects. And the best part? It's delivered straight to your door. Visit 3Chi.com. That's 3Chi.com. And for a limited time, get 20% off with the code BARSTOOL20. This episode is going to be in tribute to those killed on August 26, 2021, while supporting Operation Freedom Sentinel in Kabul, Afghanistan. Staff Sergeant Hoover. Staff Sergeant Hoover. Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover. Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover. Sergeant Johanny Rosario. Sergeant Nicole L. Gee. Corporal Hunter Lopez. Corporal Deegan W. Page. Corporal Umberto A. Sanchez. Lance Corporal David L. Espinoza. Lance Corporal Jared M. Smits. Lance Corporal Riley J. McCullum. Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola. Lance Corporal Kareem M. Nicoy. Navy Hospital Corpsman Maxton W. Soviak. Army Staff Sergeant. Ryan C. Nas. It's a Tuesday edition here on Zero Blog 30. And today, we, you, know, you already know why you're here. If you're turning into this show at this point, the last couple of weeks, you know what we're talking about. The big story in the military news world, and not just military, but the world in general, is what's going on in Afghanistan. I got to say, since I've been doing this show, and really for as long back as I can remember, this is the most in tune people have been to the war on terror, the war in Afghanistan that I've seen probably since it kicked off in 2002, 2003, well, really 2001, but that that main first period, then people paid a a little bit of attention when Fallujah got really bad. Then whenever Baghdad got bad again, I believe it was in 2009. And then you have Marja and like 
those are the times people were paying attention. Now people are focusing again, and we want to really pay tribute to those who are fallen this week. And that's going to be the Afghans and obviously the military service members. So we're going to give you an update about what's going on and try to give you what we've learned, what we've garnered from different people that have fallen, their friends, their family that we've seen. And I got to say, I was knee deep in zero blog 30 Instagram and Twitter all weekend long, like looking through the DMS and looking through the stories that were people were sending. It was touching beyond touching to see all the different tributes that were going on. I saw some mm-hmm. folks that they put together a, a hasty, excellent military word, by the way, like, well, I, I don't, I don't know if you. I've, I don't know if I've used that term on this show in five years, a hasty, Ruck, where they're going to do 13 miles for the 13 fallen. Oh, I hadn't and, seen that. That's great. Yeah, that one was great. There's yeah. a lot of that happening, actually, at the end of the show. I'll bring up another one that I saw, but uh, across the board, Marines and veterans and actors are saying, I'm hurting right now. What can I do? And somebody being like, well, you can meet me at this park tomorrow. I'm going on a hike. I, I need to mm-hmm. go on a goddamn hike. Come on with me and, and hump it out. And I've seen that across the board on the military pages that I follow people just getting together who don't even know each other in random towns and going for hikes together and just talking it out and, and remembering the fallen. Pretty and much. I legitimately think it was, I hate to even use this as a caveat, but I, I legitimately think it was a wake up call to a lot of veterans, like where I don't think my phone has rang or got as many text messages from people that I served with over this last weekend that I have in forever. I mean, I must have talked to 20 different dudes that I and and women that I served with. And some of them I hadn't heard from since like Okinawa. And they were giving Mm -hmm. me a call in Okinawa for you. That was a long time ago. Like it was that was 2006, 2007. We're talking 15 year break in between phone calls. And and now people are reaching back out. And and it was of all the different things, because it is tough, man. Like, and I don't want like not woe was me or anything, but looking through Instagram and seeing all these stories that come up, can you help? Can you help? It really weighs in on your mental health, like big time, like, because you want to help every single person that you possibly can. But in reality, we're just a podcast. We're a social media site. We work for Barstool. We don't have a whole lot of those connections, but we tried to do the best we could. It was, it's unbelievably difficult. The people that are actually in it, like the Chris Davises, the Thomas Schumann, all the people that are running digital Dunkirk, man, they are going to need a time to really take a step back and decompress. And if you are in that, because I caught myself a couple of times this weekend and my wife actually caught me doing it where I was just so engrossed in what was going on in my phone looking at the stories and almost like feeding this perpetual depression and guilt and shame and all these different emotions. And you just suck into this black hole of your cell phone where it's very difficult to get out. My recommendation would be don't like you, you kind of know when you're doing it and you feel guilty. Like I even told the group chat here, I feel guilty stepping away and looking at, because it's not something that People that are on the ground, it's not something that the Afghans can do is take a step back, but you have to, right? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I I think it's, it's so hard with the overwhelming amount of information that's coming through. And I think one thing that's so prevalent now with the social media and how um, omnipresent it is, is that it's, it's more personal. And I think that's part of the reason chaps you've seen more people in tune with it. The last few, you know, or to with this last week and a half, two weeks, as opposed to the last five to seven years where people had gotten somewhat numb to it, where you see something and we're going to go through all these stories of all the fallen 
when you see the personal accounts of people and as opposed to kind of like a sterile broken down account in a, in a local newspaper or, you know, in a USA Today, it hits very differently. And, and when you have access to so much information, as you said, just right there in your phone, to look away is a challenge in and of itself. I think too, part of serving in the military is you want to serve, you want to do something. And right now, a lot of us have a feeling of helplessness. Like we want to help so bad and we feel so you're like spinning your wheels. There's nothing you can do. You want to help all those who are in right now who are hurting because they've lost somebody. You Mm -hmm. wish you could just be by their side and tell them you're going to be okay. We got you like there's, but you can't, you can't, you want to go help the Afghans who are coming at like, there's so much we want to do. And right now, as infos, there's just only so much you can do. So give yourself some grace is, is what I would say. Yeah. Um, and I had a phone call that I got from Lugo and he was like, hey there, Gunny, how you doing, man? And I was like, it's rough right now. First, I'm like, this is the first time really since I got out that I really wish I was back in, like, and had the opportunity to like, for lack of a better word, like take all the little baby birds and put them under my wing and be like, we're going to be okay. We're going to do this. Like we're, we're going to continue on. And we're going to press forward. And to Kaz's point about the newspaper articles, this is something that I really want to focus on as we move through. And we'll start going through some of these stories in just a second. There might be a time that we mispronounce a name. It's not intentional. Like, we're not trying to be rude about the mispronunciation. If you listen to the show, you know I've messed up General Miley or Millie, whatever the fuck it is, a million times. We're just, we're not the smartest folks in the world. So we're going to try to get through these names. Um and tell you actual stories because like Khan said in the USA today, the Washington post, the New York times, they're going to have these blurbs and these blurbs are going to read this person joined the Marine Corps on this date. They went to this school, then they went here and then they did that. And it's going to make it almost seem like that's the, their entire life was the Marine Corps or the army or mm-hmm. the Navy. That's not true. I, I feel like that's one of the biggest disservices that we do to fallen service members is make them out to be these last action heroes. That's, well, not, the military, that's not what they are. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 such a, a dichotomy because the military is so prim and proper and doing everything by the book. But at the same time, these people, they're just like any other civilian who have friends with funny stories about them. They have friends who are, are mourning their loss and, and it's no different than if uh, anybody you know lost a friend and it's important to humanize them and not strip away that humanity from them and just speaking about them only as if their service defined them completely. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I drew a lot of these, the base of them from the Washington Post who did a wonderful job. I was actually surprised. A lot of the media outlets did a really wonderful job of humanizing them. And that was, you know, you it's wish- new, it's different, right? And it's I, I nice think, to see. I so- think sometimes with social media now, like you have to go further than just the official news blurb that comes out yeah. from the different branches of service. And some of them are just so touching because there was pictures that had went viral for what they were doing a few days prior, like with, with the young sergeant who was holding the toddler in her arms and feeding the baby. And then the next thing you know, she's on the list. And I think that that makes it personal for people because mm-hmm. they, they had already seen the picture like, oh, look at the great that they're doing here. And then the next is her coffin draped with the flag. It's just it's heartbreaking. Um, so, Kate, you put together this list. Let's start going through um, some of the veterans that lost their life this week in Afghanistan. Yeah, some of, excuse me, the the Marines and one soldier and one corpsman. So 
Um, Marine Corps Lance Corporal David Espinoza, age 20, of Rio Bravo, Texas. It's near Laredo. On Wednesday, Elizabeth Holguin received a call from her son who was stationed in Kabul. Before hanging up, he said, I love you. That was the last time they ever spoke. Espinoza had always dreamed of being a Marine, enlisted right out of high school. It was his calling and he died a hero, his mom said. She remembered him as quiet, soft-spoken, who enjoyed spending time with family and friends. Now her heart has a David-sized hole that nobody can fill, she said. And I watched multiple, um, she's just out speaking to news reporters. Just She just wanted to tell everyone about her son and how wonderful he was and how much she loved him. So many photos of him with his mom. They clearly had such a really, really beautiful, special bond. And in almost all those photos, when he's younger, he's wearing some form of Marine Corps hoodie or t-shirt or something. You could tell like, that's what he wanted to do mm. was be a Marine. And that's a common theme with so many mm-hmm. of these fallen was that they waited their whole lives to do this job. And they had so much pride. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole Gee. Am I saying that? I know yes. that we're going to yeah. mess that up. Age 23, Roseville, California. On August 20th, Sergeant Gee went viral when a photo of her holding an Afghan baby carefully in her arms began making the rounds. Chaps just speaking of this, um, despite all the military gear, you know, there was the rifles behind her, all the flack, everything that should have been so tough, but her face was so gentle as she looked down at the young child. Less than one week later, she would die in the attack. Her social media accounts showed a dedicated Marine and a loving friend. In February, her husband getting promoted to sergeant, big smiles showing through their masks. Her last post on Instagram, her helping evacuees load into an airplane at the airport, and her second to last post, the caption, I love my job. Mm-hmm. A few days before she died, her dad, Richard Herrera, got a text from her in Afghanistan. She had just been in Kuwait, and he was unsure why she was helping women and children seeking to evacuate in Afghanistan all of a sudden, since she was a maintenance technician. He revealed that she even had a heart issue. And that was the reason she had wanted another job, but became a maintenance tech because of a heart issue. And all of a sudden he's hearing that she's over in Afghanistan when he thought he was, she was somewhere else. He had never expected her to be on the front lines in Afghanistan. She said she was having the experience of her life. And I told her I was proud of her. She was a perfect child. She never got in trouble. She always went down the right road. She never got distracted. He said, struggling to catch his breath. I'm sorry. It's hard. News of her death prompted an outpouring of love and grief from friends and family. My best friend, 23 years old, gone. I find peace knowing that she left this world doing what she loved. She was a Marine's Marine. She cared about people. She loved fiercely. She was a light in this dark world, wrote Mallory Harrison. And I saw on the female Marines page, um, a a lot of Marines who knew her saying she was a fucking Marine's Marine. She was Mm -hmm. the best of the best looking out at her car in the parking lot. Oh my God. You know, yeah, so a her, lot of some just... of the threads that I've seen about her are just incredible and the things that, that she wanted to do. And one of the ones that stuck out to me most, and one of her friends actually released a text message, their last text message that they had through WhatsApp or whatever. It was like two or three days ago or at the, two or three days before she was killed. And her, her message was, I joined the Marine Corps because I wanted to deploy and do some good in the world. Now with this mission, I feel like I have like helping people get out of Afghanistan. It feels like I've accomplished what I wanted to, and I'm ready to go to the next phase of my life. And I I just thought that that's such a way to serve, like to say, I want it's a lot of times we look at the military, especially the combat arms. And you're like, Oh, you want to just go out there for the adventure. I don't think so. I think a lot of people legitimately want to help folks who need it. And this is exactly what this mission is here. Yeah. And 
One more note. I, I asked Japs before the show. I wasn't sure if I should bring this up now because this is about all the fallen. But one thing I wanted to note, a lot of the photos of her that went viral before she was killed were her holding the baby and her walking on the tarmac, walking Afghans onto an airplane. And she's looking down and smiling and, and making as nice as she can for these people going through such a traumatic time. And these photos were so powerful and beautiful. They were on the Marine Corps main page on mm -hmm. Facebook, on Instagram, on everything. And one thing that I could not help, but notice that I thought of after I found out that she was one of the ones that was killed was as per usual. Cause I like to hurt myself whenever the Marine, you Corps, really do. You got a fucking issue when, with it. <laughs> whenever the Marine Corps posts a photo of a woman in uniform, I go to the comments and I scroll through and I look and so many of the comments, this struck out to me before the attack, before anything, I've scrolled through and I go, same old, same old veterans, active duty Marines, people who you click on their thing and they're a Marine talking shit on her because she's a woman talking about her appearance, her ass, her, this, her, that. And I felt rage then, and especially afterwards. And I saw this post from somebody DM'd it to me and was like, I said, do I have permission to share this? They said, yes. And it's going viral on the female Marines page and bringing up a lot of feelings from women Marines that I'm seeing, but I just couldn't take the time to read this really quick. This was from a fellow Marine of hers. The same people placing the black morning banner over their EGA are the same ones who sexualized and degraded their own just a few hours prior. The fact that people went back after finding out about her loss and deleted their comments on her IG, they were commenting on her personal Instagram as well, on her IG and the photos posted of her duties in Kabul is disturbing and disgusting. You did not seem ashamed telling her to get back in the kitchen or saying that you would do her if you got her alone or sexualizing a woman boldly doing what others are too terrified to do. And she responded with such grace, with strength, by continuing to do her job and with kindness and ferocity, with the kind of dignity you expect of a Marine. You are the same people who are posting her picture in reverence and respect, the same ones who pour a shot, the same ones who say till Valhalla, the same ones with I got your six tattoos, the same ones who do 22 push-up or pull-ups a day to speak out for those who need it. For those who went back to delete comments, who made comments in the first place, for those who believe your sisters are less than because you're too weak to believe we are your family, one day I hope you find remorse in seeking likes over respect. And I hope you see this as an opportunity to change the way you think and to see this beautiful warrior for what she is, a hero and an icon of light, femininity, and love in the, fa in the face of terrorism and darkness. That to me spoke volumes mm. about the culture of the Marine Corps. She is a Marine. She's a Marine's a Marine. Not a single one of these people who are still doing this stuff and treating us, treating women in the military as if we are less than, none of you are the real deal. None of you. She is a fucking Marine and she paid the ultimate price and you should be ashamed of yourselves. Um, I just, and that she didn't respond to any of it. She just kept doing her job. She's smart, much smarter. <laughs> person than I am. That's for sure. Well, we um, didn't see what she did on Sunday morning, Kate, if she's anything true. like you. We didn't, yeah. we didn't see we Sunday know, morning. We, we didn't We're, see hangover. And for those that don't know that joke, Kate used to, but when Kate, Katie drinks used to happen, she would get up, she would check her comments on Instagram. And that's when, you know, she was going to be having, to all the having a little bit of a Sunday, but yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think that this extends to other aspects of service as well. Obviously the women constantly get shit on and 
for no reason. And it really, it's like you are so fragile in your own masculinity that you feel like you have to tear somebody down in order to do that. I hate that shit. I mm-hmm. hate it all across the services and not just for women, but for people that aren't in combat arms. Why den- denigrate somebody just because of the job that they're choosing to do or the job that they were placed in? That's what we saw immediately with these posts. There was people that died that were grunts, that were infantrymen. There was people who died that weren't like this. These divisions inside the service are not good for anyone. And especially the women like the what what the women are going through is so different than what you've had to go through. And because it's not different for them, their experiences have always been the same. It's different for you because you can't put yourself in that position of having your service attacked based on your gender. It's insane that that's what they have to go through. Insane having people try to invalidate what what women do or that you have to prove it right like you have to prove that you you start behind the eight ball and you have what made me so angry too was that her friends who are this was written by a fellow marine that her friends that are mourning had to see that shit written about her that makes me and it was from other marines i just like i i just don't understand it but again the most important thing here is that she responded by just continuing to be a good ass marine and doing her job right up until the very end i hope that's not too Oh, I don't want to spend just, too much. I don't want to spend yeah, too much time. I, I'm sorry. On this needs to be. Shit. This needs to be said, though. I, I, I just, I just hope all these people who made these comments do see the error of their ways and, and change. And I would also charge any leader out there if you, if you hear just even uh, an off-color joke, you know that you just don't dismiss it. Address it right away because then that's how you, uh, you know, uproot th- this sort of behavior. Yeah. When you don't call it out, you're complicit. Right. Yeah. Um, but definitely an incredible Marine there. Uh, Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren Taylor Hoover, age 31 of Utah. In his photo, I smiled looking at it. He's in his dress blues and he's beaming. He just looks like such a wonderful person. Taylor was the type of guy that would jump in front of a train for anybody. And it didn't matter who you were, said close friend Kaylee Snedeker. She shared a photo of him wearing a shirt with her face on it. And she's blowing out a birthday candle on a cake when he couldn't make it to one of her birthdays. A lot of times Marines can't be back in their hometown celebrating mm. with friends. So he got a photo of her and celebrated by wearing her all day on his shirt. When her father passed away seven years ago, he dropped everything. He was on the first flight here, broken shoulder, just out of surgery. He was that kind of friend. And this is one, there was this whole big local news story of all his hometown friends sharing stories like this, where he just was so selfless and just a joy to be around. You can look at this guy's face and know exactly the type of Marine that he was. <laughs> I thought like you, too. he is the kind of guy you're walking through battalion and you're like, Hey, what's going on? Staff Sergeant. Hey, what's going on? Devil dog. You doing all right. Everybody good. How's the family? Good, good. See you later. Like, yeah. and like just keeps it going and keeps it moving. And cause you have some that you, you look at and you're like, that guy's a dick. Like <laughs> that person's a dick. He was the one that like the junior troops would probably go to if you have legitimate problems. And that's a great staff and CO to be. Yeah, that's what I from what I was looking at online, a lot of a lot of people were saying that. And this was his third deployment. His father said he was helping those that are less fortunate that can't help themselves. Um, And and that's what Marines do. So definitely. And his his girlfriend was sharing photos of him, just looked like a really gregarious, wonderful human being. And I know that he's been in for a for a minute, too, because he's like me and has some outrageously bad tattoos. So (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know he's the real deal. (laughs) Army Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Noss, age 23 of Corrington, Tennessee. When Noss was in second grade, he scribbled in his yearbook, I want to be a Marine and drew himself in uniform. After high school, he enlisted in the army. He got Some smart. Say he, he got, got smart. smart. Yeah. He had deployed to Afghanistan once before with 82nd Airborne. 
But when the rapid need to evacuate civilians in, from Kabul emerged, he deployed once again. He was married and a member of 98 PSYOPs group after shifting to a specialized field that often involves interviewing people. From what I saw on Facebook, he was the honor grad of his class and an amazing soldier. And uh, PSYOPs, I saw somebody commenting on Facebook, PSYOPs are some of the first on the ground in Afghanistan, um, al- right there along with the, the horse soldiers and stuff like that in the very, yeah. very beginning. PSYOPs was there and they said, what an end. And this dude must be up. shit hot. 23 years old. You got to be squared away. You got to be squared away to be that that young and be a staff sergeant, but also to be psyops at that age too. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. usually you take you take some folks who are a little more uh, age, a little more uh, weather under their belt to 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 help them in what they're doing. But he definitely. Yeah. And I hope this isn't beyond the pale. He's also hot. Like this dude. Good. He's attractive. Guy. Good job. Yeah. Smoke, um, bro. Marine Corps. <laughs> Marine Corps Corps Corporal Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, age 22 of Indio, California. Again, another Marine just beaming in his photo in full. This is a a grunt grunt right here. I hate the term battle rattle, full battle rattle, a huge smile on his face. Lopez, a corporal in the Marine Corps, was part of a family with strong roots in law enforcement in Southern California. His mother is a deputy sheriff and his father, a sheriff's captain in Riverside County. Lopez had planned to join the sheriff's deputy after his deployment. And I, I think I left it off here, but I believe he is the one whose family said, cause he was so close to camp Pendleton, bringing family over or bringing Marines. Like you could expect a whole bunch of Marines coming over on the weekends type thing. Um, but not that it should matter. And it, actually it doesn't matter. You know, all the, all these folks, they were all young, but this, this gentleman in particular, he just looks like he's got his whole life in front of him, like a baby face. And it just kind of really, really stings. It looks like he, you know, wanted to just continue to serve even after the Marines. So that really sucks. Uh, Marine, Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, age 20 of Jackson, Wyoming. He got married in February on Valentine's Day before being sent overseas on his first deployment in April. The newlyweds were expecting their first child just a few weeks from now. Riley McCollum, just a baby on 9-11 himself, grew up in Jackson, Wyoming, and wanted to join the armed forces since he was as young as two, said his sister. He signed up the day he turned 18, Royce McCollum said. That was his plan his whole life. He attended Jackson Hole High School and Summit Innovation School in Jackson before the Marines, and he was a decorated wrestler. He was, I believe, a award-winning wrestler. He was really great. McCollum met his wife after moving to San Diego for boot camp after high school. With just weeks left in his first tour of duty, his family expected that he would be home in time to meet his new son or daughter. They wanted to keep the baby's gender a surprise. That stings, stings, a little extra. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola, age 20, of Rancho Cucamonga, California. Whether he was undergoing a grueling Marines boot camp or spending time with his family, Dylan Marola did everything with his signature smile, said his older brother, David. He had always been helpful, never meeting a stranger. He was on his first overseas tour as a Marine and just a few weeks shy of coming home when he was killed. At the time of the explosion, he was aiding efforts to evacuate children. He was a hero, his brother said. Uh, Back in high school, he enjoyed working on the school's theater productions. I knew Dylan for my most impactful year of high school in theater tech, said his friend Benjamin. He always showed up with a smile and brought everyone, brought energy to everyone that he was with. While he dreamed of becoming an engineer, he had a passion for tech and enlisted in the service because of his family's military ties. Two great-grandfathers fought in the Korean War. 
When news of his death surfaced, his sense of duty and sunny disposition were highlighted across the outpouring of grief. A lot of people saying, and people look at Marines and the photos, it's them in their dress blues with a serious face. I was scrolling through the Facebook and everybody just talked about this kid was a ray of sunshine. This Marine was just his smile could light and up. You know, he room. got roasted for it at boot camp too. Hey, they're smiley. What? Yeah. What, put your teeth away. You look at me with your teeth showing. I view that as an act of aggression. Right. But just people maybe don't realize like what a, a sunny, amazing personality this was. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem Nikawi. I want to make McCoy. sure. Nikoi. Sorry. I, I'm guessing there. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Marine Lance Corporal Kareem Nikoi, age 20 of Norco, California. Steve Nikoi was the first. Sorry. Steve Nicoy first saw the Marines nearing his home on a cell phone screen linked to his doorbell camera, and he knew what their arrival meant. His son, Lance Corporal Kareem Nicoy, had been in Kabul, and he closely monitored the news and any visitors who came to his home. The Marines arrived Thursday night, choked up and emotional, he said. He wanted to absorb the news before he told anyone else in the family. I'm still in shock. I haven't been able to grasp everything that's going on. He was born the same year it started and ended his life with the end of this war. Paul Ariola, a close friend of Nikoi's, said in a brief interview on the Post that his death devastated the family, but faith has helped them persevere. He was an incredible individual with a great heart. News of his death rippled through the community in East Los Angeles, not far from Camp Pendleton. Um, and this, I screwed that up. He is the one who brought Marines home. He would bring a squad's worth of Marines home with him on occasion where they would sit down for home-cooked meals, his dad told the Daily Beast. So, and I mean, that is awesome when you have like a family that lives close and you're mm -hmm. one of my buddies in Quantico had that. And I think people that are listening to civilians and we've had a little bit more than usual lately, the ability to go to somebody's house and get a home cooked meal by a mom or a dad is a game changer. When you've yeah. been in the barracks, eating fast food, eating ramen and shit like that, you go cook something that was cooked on the stove and you're like, oh shit, this slaps different. Yeah, so like doing to that that ingratiates you to the folks that you're serving with big time. Yeah. yeah. You don't even really need, you don't even need to know the person or their family at all. And it just really is still very special. Hanging out with a mom, a real mom when you're in the core and far away from home. And the moms, true. the Marine <laughs> moms are the best. Like they loved it. <laughs> Give you hugs and shit. Chris, <laughs> Chris Diaz's parents, like we had never met until I went to his funeral and his mama like came up to me and was like, Matthew, I've been waiting to give you a hug for like four years, boy. He, Chris talked about you all the time. And she gave me like this huge mama bear hug and then just sat with me, like walked around with me with her hand, like around my waist and just like, and I could, I knew what she was doing. Like, she was like, I want, a, this guy has a piece of my son. I want to touch that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A lot of really, really strong families to say the least. Um, Marine Corps Corporal Deegan William Tyler age, pardon me. I'm screwing this up so bad. Sorry. This is hard. I, I feel bad. Um, Marine Corps Corporal Deegan William Tyler page age 23 of Omaha, a diehard Chicago Blackhawks fan and an animal lover page was looking forward to returning home after his time in the Marines to his younger siblings. He was their favorite jungle gym. And to his friends, he was a genuinely happy guy. You could always count on after finishing his enlistment. Deegan planned to come home and go to a local trade school, possibly to become a lineman. He was raised in Omaha, where he was a member of the Boy Scouts. He joined the Marines right out of high school, and he will always be remembered for his tough outer shell and giant heart. Um, 
I can see that. Like based on his picture, everything that was described, it, like it fits him. You look at him, yep. it's like, yeah, that dude's gonna get out and be a lineman. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, he does. Like he has that very signature chiseled jaw too. Like mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. when you think of what a marine looks like in a commercial, this yeah. is that guy. Like where right. he has a strong jawline and all that. Next up, we have Marine Corps Humberto Sanchez, who's 22 from Logansport, Indiana. He before Sanchez joined the Marines, he was known in his hometown for making people laugh. He was the light that was on 24-7. Kennedy Rickard, who attended the school, uh, the, who went to school with him. Um, hold on. Let me fucking start that out. Over yeah, there. I was going to say, can you start? Because you kind of like. You, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I hate the way they like pronouns and antecedents and shit like that in newspapers. They why speak like that? Nobody reads like that. OK, here yeah. we go. <clears throat> Next up, we have Marine Corps Corporal Umberto Sanchez, who was 22 years old and from Logan's Point, Indiana. Before he joined the Marine, he was known in his hometown for making folks laugh. People that he went to high school said that he was a light that was on 24-7. In the fifth grade, Sanchez and some of his friends entered a singing competition to perform Beyonce's All the Single Ladies, <laughs> complete with the single dance moves. They won and nobody else came close, she remembered. That's the kind of person Umberto was. He was constantly joking, constantly laughing, and constantly trying to make people smile. You know without question, one of his leaders at some point saw that video and absolutely roasted him about it mm-hmm. but if you win you win i mean it's hard to roast somebody for a single ladies video when you're the winner yeah, yeah. it's good it really is this to uh, me sounds like the king of the smoke pit yeah exactly the person you want around 20 and i want to hear because i know for a fact people that were in theater and people that sang like i sang at church and things like that you were good cadence callers i would like to hear mm-hmm. these these dudes doing cadence mm-hmm. absolutely all right who's next kate Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, age 20, of Wentzville, Missouri. Earlier Friday, his father, Mark Schmitz, told a St. Louis radio station that his son, who was on his first deployment, had always wanted to serve. His life meant so much more. I'm so incredibly devastated that I won't be able to see the man he was very quickly growing into and becoming. He was informed of his son's death after a middle-of-the-night knock on the door. The Marines came by last night at 2.40 in the morning to give us the horrific news. Um, I wish again, not everybody, we didn't have all the information on them, but, um, that is one aspect of it that I know every parent who has a child who's deployed just dreads. And I can't imagine what that's, what that's like. Um, next we have Navy hospital corpsman, Max Soviak, age 22 of Berlin Heights, Ohio. His last words to his mother over video chat, Kitch, Kip and Rachel Soviak told the post were of comfort. Don't worry, mom. My guys got me. They won't let anything happen to me. His parents recounted. Today, she realized that they all just went together. His sister, Marilyn, posted a tribute on Instagram saying her little brother was in Afghanistan serving as a hospital corpsman. He was the lone sailor killed in the attack. My beautiful, intelligent beat to the sound of his own drum, annoying, charming baby brother was killed yesterday, helping to save lives. My heart is in pieces and I don't think they'll ever fit back right again. He is survived by Kip and Rachel and 12 of their other children. My God. 12 of their other children. His parents offered comfort to the other families affected by Thursday's attack. Um, not that somebody had sent to me, I guess, was looking at his social media page because a lot of people do want to humanize who are these names, mm-hmm. who are these people, and mm-hmm. just kind of out of this strange curiosity, you type it in. And they said he he followed ZBT, Foreplay, Barstool. He was, you know, just had a lot of just looked like a wonderful human being from his Instagram. A lot of people saying he seemed like just a wonderful person. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario, 25, Lawrence, Massachusetts. And this one, 
I'm just sharing a, a Twitter thread that chaps had found and shared, because this is what you were talking about chaps, the, the personal things that people were sharing, the affirmations. I don't know if you wanted to. Read yeah, I'll go one. through this one. This yeah. one came from her former um, OIC, which is officer mm -hmm. in charge. So he was probably a, a boot second lieutenant, early first lieutenant, whenever he was in, had a working relationship with her. And he says, and it's a beautiful tribute. He said, last week, 13 American service members died in action while processing Afghan men, women, and children for evacuation to the United States. Each death is tragic, worthy of equal parts sorrow, admiration, and appreciation. But one name left me heartbroken. You may have seen her listed as Sergeant Johanny Rosario or Sergeant Johanny Rosario Pichardo, but I knew her as Sergeant Rosie, and I had the honor of serving as her officer in charge for 15 months before she headed to the Middle East. Rosie was from Lawrence, Massachusetts, so we instantly bonded over shared expat masshole lineage. She was fiercely proud of her heritage as a Dominican-American and wholly devoted to her mother, brothers, sisters, and niece. Her niece was the same age as, as my daughter, and on a weekly basis, we'd compare pictures of how fat they were, both getting. Rosie was so proud of her. Rosie was a student. She took online classes at Columbia College throughout her enlistment. She talked about how she wanted to set a good example for her siblings and niece and show that hard work would lead to success. As of last week, she had finished 83 of her 120 required units. Rosie was a teacher. When I first met her, then Corporal Rosario managed a budget of $659,000 with little to no oversight. And she taught me how to, the entire fiscal and supply system worked. And he, to an unusual place of trust and confidence of a Marine so junior, junior, Rosie was so good that we never doubted her. She received not one, but two medals during the 15th months we worked together and for her exceptional performance. She was a girlfriend and Rosie dated a drill instructor. Although they were happy-go-lucky with each other, you would have been hard-pressed to believe that they were hard-charging Marines, and they were. It was heartwarming to watch her relationship blossom in the office, and on the rare occasion, they both had breaks. When she was stationed half the world away in Bahrain to San Diego, they made it work. Uh, Rosie never went to prom, so she... So before her boyfriend left and her best friend threw them a three person prom that night and she was glowing for days afterwards. I think that's so amazing. Mm -hmm. Like that they did that. It just really shows what the, the Marine Corps and the service is all about. She was a caretaker. Rosie had a, a second part-time job as a caretaker for elderly patients with dementia. What wow. amazed me was her attitude. She loved sharing their stories and felt all in gratitude for learning about history through their eyes. It was truly a beautiful perspective now she wasn't perfect. Rosie ran slower than a tortoise through peanut butter. <laughs> and she always drove the safety vehicle in PT so she could develop at her own pace. Maybe it was because Rosie couldn't run very fast and she never got away from her problems. She attacked them head on. At, that's probably brought her to the Abbey Gate and outside of the airport in Kabul on August 26th. The initial reports indicate she was a member of the female engagement team screening women and children for evacuation. She helped over 30,000 reach safety before she was killed by a suicide bomber. Last week, on the day Rosie headed back to Afghanistan, she emailed me the following, quote, I also got to deploy and I'm redeploying again, so I feel if I were to EIS next year, I would leave feeling accomplished and happy that I was able to experience the things I wanted. Read it again. She didn't have to deploy. She got to deploy. To Sergeant Rosie, service was a privilege. So that's who we lost, a proud Dominican-American, a daughter, sister, girlfriend and auntie, a student and a teacher, a caretaker, a United States Marine. Sergeant Rosie, I'm so proud of you um, for the Marine that you've become, and I'll forever be inspired by the work you did, the lives you saved, and the sacrifices you made. 
Thank you for everything. Semper Fidelis, Marine. Powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, and I think that that, for young leaders that are listening, that is the type of information you should be able to recount about your troops. Right. That, that is the mark of a leader. Um, when you know so much about what's going on in their personal lives and who they are, she was probably such a good Marine in part because this dude was a good leader. Like if, if you know all that stuff as an OIC, you're doing something right. So good on Austin too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's unbelievable too, that she gave her free time. And as you can both attest to there, there is not much free time when you're a Marine or in the military in general. So when she takes that precious little free time that most people take to go away from base for, you know, a night or maybe take a trip. And she was giving that time back to elderly people and taking care of them. That just unbelievably speaks volumes about her character. My heart is just so full of admiration for the Marines that still are back out there on the line, the Marines Mm -hmm. and sailors and soldiers and people who just had to get back out and do their job and they did it and they're still doing it. I just, um, incredible incredible and there's air force members there as well there's some pjs that are on the ground and i know i know for a fact there's been one mission that i heard that a pj was involved in is the craziest shit i've ever heard in my life and the fact that these folks are out there doing it the next day there was pictures going around i I believe the marine corps official instagram account actually posted it where these troops it was a squad carrying a casket with one of their squad mates inside putting it on a plane and then eight hours later being back on a shift standing on the wall again, like the emotional and physical endurance that you have to have at such a young age, 20 years old, some of these 19, 20, 21, it's just unbelievable. It's not something that the average person can really understand of what they went through. And they did that all by being completely normal people too. There's going to be all kinds of tributes that come up the next couple of months, the next couple of years, really about these 13. One of those is going to happen on September 4th. If you're in Jacksonville, North Carolina, you could do one last hike. You can probably Google that um, or you can Facebook it one, one last hike and you could participate in that as well. There's going to be all kinds of other things and we'll get into that a little bit later. But for now, we want to give you an update too about what's going on in Afghanistan. This first one comes from Dan Lamoth because it's still, even though we're only one day away from the official deadline to get the fuck out of there there's still a lot of work to be done and i don't mean this lightly based on what we just talked about but to me this is kind of like that classic tale of i've i'm pcsing i'm moving i'm i'm going somewhere it's eight o'clock at night and i haven't even started packing yet like there's all kinds of shit that has to go on kate what are you seeing in the news so far yeah so this is from the new york times uh and it's kind of you'd think i was i was wondering what the final few days were going to be like. And in my head, I thought, oh, is it going to be chaos outside the gates as people are so desperate? And what we're hearing from the ground is that it's more of a resigned sense of calm is what's happening right now. In the final hours, Monday of the American military presence in Afghanistan, hope dwindled among the Afghans seeking to escape the focal point of the U.S. evacuation since the Taliban take over the city. A U.S. military raced towards a Tuesday deadline to withdraw from America's longest war As we know, there's been sporadic violence. Um, Earlier Monday, the U.S. military shot down rockets aimed at the airport a day after it said that one of its drones struck a vehicle full of explosives. The U.S. has warned that more attacks like the one last week at the airport that killed nearly 200 people are possible before the withdrawal is over. I know that, Chaps, you've disseminated on on our site many times 
somebody on the ground over there being like, Hey, spread the word, get people out of whatever area. Um, there's definitely been imminent threats and, and big time threats. Um, ISIS claimed responsibility for that bombing as, as we all know, um, and for Monday's rocket fire, thousands of Afghans who had hoped for a way out of the country are facing the reality that they are unlikely to find one before the withdrawal ends. One former interpreter for us sport special forces who asked to only be identified as Mike had approval for a special immigrant visa, but wasn't able to get into the airport. And that's a story we're seeing over and over. Finally, all the paperwork came in. Finally, after years of trying, they got what they needed, but now they cannot reach the airport. And I, and I don't know what you do as a person there, like, because these, you signed up with a guaranteed from the United States of America, you help us out. We're going to get you out. We're going to protect you. To me, it's just flat out fucking egregious that we're not doing everything that we possibly can. You want to talk about fucking up the last stages of of a withdrawal of a war? I can't think of something more so than this. Like the way that it's going down now, I got I got a message this morning from somebody that was on the ground that there was a family, again, that had their paperwork all in order. They're on their way to the airport before the last plane took off. The Taliban pulled them out. They used the last they pulled their phone out, told them to open up the phone. They contacted the last person that they had talked to. The person picked up and said hello in English, immediately executed the person. Like the fact that we're allowing this type of stuff and didn't have the foresight or the intestinal fortitude to do what was necessary to me is beyond the pale of what we do as military members. And that is not the responsibility of the military members. It's only responsibility of those that are in higher power, the civilian positions. I'm talking right. Secretary Blinken, Secretary Austin, President Biden. Those are the ones that are responsible for this. And to me, it's a stain on America that I don't know will ever wash away. Very yeah. ultimate letdown. And again, like the boots on the ground have done, I mean, they've done above and beyond. And two, they were put- What else in, could they possibly they fucking were put do? In such it's a, impossible. They were put yeah. in such a horrible situation, such a no-win situation. I mean, and again, this all falls on higher, higher up, higher leadership, higher for years and years and years. But uh, yeah. And the thing that pisses painful. me off so much, and I'm doing a little bit of a rant here. The thing that pisses me off so much is because you have folks like Secretary Mattis, who was then General Mattis, that write out these doctrines that are accepted across not just the Marine Corps, but several of the branches that adopted it, where you have to have a mission and how you were going to win the mission to even send troops in. The fact that we had 20 years and we never met that first basic tenet of leadership and sending troops to combat, I, I just don't understand. I don't know how you could be a recruiter right now, look kids in the face, look young men and women in the face and say, this is what it's going to be and have real trust and confidence in who's in charge. And it's not just a Biden thing. It's not just a Trump thing. This is a theme across American government for years, decades of people just playing the little fucking bullshit, watching it and being so much on social media, seeing politicians, seeing congressmen, to include my own this weekend, that were making these deaths so politicized that they were sowing more seeds of division in the United States by having all these ridiculous statements over and over and over again about who's the blood hands. The blood is on the it's. It's staining the very soil of the United States is what's happening now. It's not about whose hands it's on. It's about what do we do? Do we fertilize it? Are we fertilizing and are we growing? Or are we continuing to die and let liberty to die around us? Because right now, you can't look at the country and say we're in a good spot. 
because we're not. We see it in our Instagram posts over and over and over again, where even people that are serving are constantly and consistently attacking one, one another based on political divisions and who's in charge. It's fucking bullshit. And it's got to stop. Got to stop. The first thing I saw a lot of politicians before they even said, you know, rest in peace to these was immediate politicization of their deaths. And, and some almost my seemed- dumbass congressman saying it's going to cause fucking suicide bombers on the Mexican border. What the fuck are you talking about? How right. do you make that leap? That's I, absolutely ridiculous. I guess what I'm I just don't understand is the lack of empathy and the and how these people at a higher level can't pause for a second and say, Hey, maybe I should just shut the fuck up for a day or two, you know? Sure. Give well, they've been conditioned. They've people... been conditioned to do something completely the opposite. They've been conditioned to run right to their social media, run right to some news outlet, and just start spouting off opinions as opposed to what you just said, which would be the better course of action in in just about everybody's uh, life right now. But it is look, disappointing I, to see. And um... I, I am guilty of that as well. Like going to social media and venting right away. I had a response that probably wasn't an appropriate response when it when it first happened. I got pictures of what was going on in the initial drone strike where it killed the planner who the ISIS-K planner who planned these attacks. I was fucking stoked that that dude was dead. We had post we had battle damage assessment. We knew that there was no civilians that were killed in that. So I went to I went to Twitter. I was fucking happy celebrating it. The very next day takes all that away. When you have all when you have a good strike and a, nobody's going to be fucking sad that the ISIS K dude that planned the death of 13 Americans is going. You're not going to be sad about that one. The next day in our drone program, when you have reports coming out that children are dying. Children are dying at our hands because we're relying on shitty intelligence again to me, man. Like it's it, the military members and the veterans who have been on the ground. And those family members that are attached to it well are in such an unbelievably difficult place because you have this sense of in American politics and really global politics where nuance isn't isn't allowed. There isn't. I think it's perfectly fine to celebrate the death of anybody in ISIS. They die. They get liquefied. I don't give a fuck. I will never shed a tear. In fact, I'll go into my refrigerator, pull out a beer and crack it and enjoy that motherfucker. But the moment that it becomes something different and children, women innocent civilians are involved to me we have got to look for accountability there because that doesn't happen imagine man like really imagine if the roles were reversed and somehow we had occupiers here and 13 children were killed what would we be calling for yeah and those those kids don't have their lives they'll never have their lives and there's no one that's going to be held to account. Not the AO, not the CG, not the sec def, not the president. No one's going to be held to account for killing fucking kids. I, honest question, because I didn't see it. Did anybody step up and, and take any sort of accountability? Oh, of course for that? not. That's not yeah. what they do. Like, that's not what we're not in the business of taking responsibility. We'll say the biggest, like, we got a bad lead. We didn't know there were secondary explosions inside the vehicle. If you authorize the drone strike, you got to fucking know. You got to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. It's 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 not acceptable to to kill innocent civilians and especially women, children. Uh, and my mom just texted me, "What's your favorite thing that I ever got you for Easter?" I mean, what are we doing here, Linda? Classic Linda. Classic. Linda um, gets some perspective. Maybe Jeez. she knew. Maybe she could feel I was upset. 
Yeah, you I can think tell. like even where I feel us doing it too, and like you acknowledge that we're doing it, but like the most important thing right now is just stepping back and a- acknowledging these 13 lives and just everybody, everybody just shut the fuck up for a minute and, <laughs> and just honor them and, and read their stories, look at their photos, hear what their family members, how they're remembering them, how they're honoring them, find ways to do good in your own local community in their honor and to be a good American in their honor. Um, and maybe that do- doesn't involve I mean, we're all guilty of it, but being, uh, being shitty online, I just, yeah, I, I think, think uh, I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to say. I think I'm done. I think there's too much talking. There's too much, too much commenting, too much talking. And, uh, and it just doesn't do them, do their memory any good. The so. political jousting just, just has to stop. And all these people who, who feel it necessary that they, they voted for Biden, they're rushing to defend him. It, it's okay to either one, not say anything or, or B, you don't necessarily need to defend to defend someone simply because it's not your fucking quarterback, them. man. Like these politicians yeah. aren't your quarterback. They're supposed to be doing a job, do the yeah. job better. Exactly. Like that's, that's all we can really, but all you really want. I mean, I don't really have, I don't want to keep drawing on because this is a topic that I could just go around and around in circles and just be upset and pissed off because one, I want the memory of those that are lost to mean something like, and you, you, you have to try to look at what can we gain from this? Like what, and right now, the answer is I'm not sure. Hopefully something, something good and positive will come out of this. Well, I, I, we already know that something good is positive. You, you read it earlier, Kate. 30,000 people were evacuated because of the actions of these folks and what they did. That's a real difference. That's the real difference that they're and making I saw, there. Um, testimony of sorts from people over here who are part of that digital Dunkirk specifically saying, that Marine right there was one of the ones who helped us specifically get people through each and every one of them is, I feel like the term gets thrown around a lot. Each and every one of these people is a hero of these military members, absolute hero who truly did do good, who truly really did change. There are 30,000 lives changed forever because of their efforts. Um, and that's, that's no small thing. That's everything. Yep. Amazing. No doubt about it. It's uh it's a legacy that we, we didn't want them to have so soon, but it's one that they have. And there's no doubt about that. Let's move on to save rounds and alibis. Cons, we'll start with you. I have a bunch of, honestly, they're, they're all obsolete and they don't matter based on the conversation we just had. I, I could talk about them another time. It doesn't, there's no weight on this conversation. Kate. Same. I don't really have anything more to say. Just thinking of the families and two of all gold star families right now. And of, I feel like we talk about the moms and the dads, but reading here, how many had little brothers and sisters and how many had just siblings and cousins, just everyone affected by this across the board. I just sending my love and thinking of thinking of them all. Hey, to that point, I think it's so important. Obviously the the, the 13 that we mentioned on today's show, we appreciate their sacrifice and, and that is amazing. But that, should not take uh, that doesn't take away anything from the sacrifice that all of the thousands of people that have given their lives and made that sacrifice the last 20 years. I know there's a lot of news stories and a lot of highlights right now about these 13, but every single one of our service members who gave their lives in the last 20 years are equally as important. And I don't want you to feel any gold star families out there as though they've been forgotten about because they'll never be forgotten about as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of beautiful tributes that are going on from Gold Star families because that community itself is very strong with each other too, where it broke my heart when I saw one of the wives of one of the Marines that I trained when she was commenting on our stuff and says that it, everything feels fresh again. She knew I was going to see that. I don't think anybody else in the comment section pieced it together and it broke my heart. Like every time that those stories come across because there's only so many ways a casket can be taken off of a plane at Dover Air Force Base. And every time that we see those, it puts a little bit of a, a pit in your stomach and you don't know what to do. And I feel like that's where we are as a military community. So many of us right now are struggling where you're going through it with your mental health is everything that I went through is, was it worth it? Afghanistan is going to fall. What do we do to the, the answer for me is we don't know, but we have to do it together and you're not going to be able to do it alone. You're going to have to lean on those people that have those that can commiserate with you, that can understand, find somebody that to talk to and speak out with. And don't let those feelings just fester because those feelings, when they fester, all that's going to come is nothing but rotten shit. We've got to we've got to prune some of these vicious wounds that our our tree trunks are having, essentially, in order to bloom, bloom fresh. We all want to do that. This is this is another hard episode for us to record because we're a comedy podcast at the at the heart of what this show is. We are for the military veterans, for the active duty service members and for the families. And we're a comedy show. We want to entertain. We don't want to do stories like this. It's heartbreaking, obviously. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have more and more stories that come in and show the hum human side of these 13 who lost their lives. I promise you, we will we will bring those to you as well, because that's what needed to be seen. Although you are a member of the armed forces and you wear the uniform, you can be a person, too. And in that being a person, you have feelings and it's OK to feel those feelings, to be sad, to be depressed, to be fucking angry as shit and stare your government in the face and said, I'm serving. What the fuck are you doing? Let's get it right. Sound the retreat.